Merry Christmas. Please stand.
Son, and Holy Spirit. And blessed be his kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus said the first commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution and remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of His Holy Spirit. Amen.
be with you. Let us pray together the Colette. Almighty God, you have poured upon us the new light of your incarnate word. Grant that this light, enkindled in our hearts, may shine forth in our lives through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit. One God, now and forever. Amen. All right. Amen, brother. little enthusiasm. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Good crowd. Only takes two. We'll turn the tide of battle. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless these young men, Lord. You would put your word deep in their heart and cause it to grow and flourish their whole lives. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Merry Christmas. Our first reading this morning comes from Isaiah chapter 61, beginning at verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes the things that are sown into it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. For Zion's sake I will not hold my peace, And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burns. The Gentiles shall see your righteousness and all kings your glory. You shall be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will name. You shall also be a crown of glory. In the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. The word of the Lord. This morning's psalm is Psalm 148. Please respond by the half verse. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him from the hearts. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you stars of light. Praise him, you heavens of heavens. And you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For he commanded and they were created. He also established, established them forever and ever. Praise the Lord from the earth. You great sea creatures from all the depths. Fire and hail, snow and clouds. fulfilling his word. Mountains and all hills. Fruitful trees and all cedars. Beasts and all cattle. things and flying clouds. Kings of the earth and all peoples. Princes and all treasures of the earth. Both young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and heaven. And he has exalted the horn of his people. The praise of all his saints, of the children of Israel, of people who fear him. Hallelujah. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, it is now, and it will be forever. Amen. 
Our second reading comes from Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke. St. Luke, chapter 2, beginning in verse 22. Now when the days of purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people to Israel. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. Praise you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I love how we observe Christmas. In our church. And I mean that in the sense that it just doesn't end on December 25th. I know we beat that drum for many years, but I think it's important to just remind ourselves that this story is the orienting story for our entire life. And we need to take it, thank you, take it with us as we go throughout. We're moving into a new year, and there's this sense that there's new things happening. I know for myself personally, I, I'm kind of reviewing where I'm at and thinking about what do I need to change as I go into this new year? What do I need to do? And that's a, that's a common 
intuition as we move into the new year, but if it's not oriented around this absurd story of God himself becoming a baby, a helpless baby, in the midst of a manger in the first century, then you're going to be missing an essential piece. So I guess all I'm saying is pay attention to the stories that we talk about throughout this Christmas season. Maybe attend one of the services that we have. There's some special services coming up this week that we remember the stories and the people around the time of Jesus' birth. And when we go out into the world, we go out into the world as people who are called to be like Jesus. Jesus became human that we could be truly human, right? There's a sense in which we are actually called to participate in the Incarnation. That's why we're given the Holy Spirit, that God may live in us. Jesus didn't just come and give birth in a manger, but He also comes and resides in each of us. And so let that orient the way that you think about your job, your life situation. Maybe you're thinking, I need to work out. I do. Um, maybe you're thinking, you need to work out. Maybe you do too. Uh, but there's a sense in which you're thinking about all these things that you could change. Just remember that ultimately the center of everything we do is to be like Him. And the Christmas story is such a message of hope. At the darkest time of the year, we celebrate the coming of the light that lights up the world. And so when you move into this next year, make it uh, oriented by joy and hope. But take it seriously, too, in the sense that uh, Father Powell was joking. If it's a time of joy and hope, then dig your foxhole deep. You know, it's like there's a sense in which we're going in and we're battling against the prevailing spirit of the age, which is one of fear and depression. Opposite of fear and depression is joy and hope. And so let's be a people of joy and hope, but realize that's a battle to get there. It's not easy. It's not just handed to you. Not every morning is Christmas morning. When you open presents and your kids are lined up with joy. Some mornings are, you know, when your kids make a mess of everything. And your life feels like you can't keep going. But you can battle for joy and hope even in those moments. That's my rambling introduction to what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about the story in the gospel, because I want us to stay rooted in where we're at in Jesus' life. Today we heard about when Jesus went to the temple, and um, for baby Jesus, eight days in, it wasn't going to be a very comfortable experience, let me just tell you. Um, I have uh, seen what happens when uh, little boys uh, go away to um, be uh, circumcised is the technical term, right? And it is not pleasant for them. But in the midst of that difficult time, as he's entering into the covenant and maybe even bringing the old covenant into true fulfillment, we have this wonderful side story of this man, St. Simeon. You know Simeon didn't need to be in the gospel in order for Jesus to fulfill everything that he did on earth. There's no function that Simeon plays in his life except as a witness to the truth of the Incarnation and the coming of the Messiah. And Simeon got to do that because of his faithfulness. Imagine what God can do with your faithfulness as we look at this story and learn from his example. So we're going to just dive in, and you know, you can throw the uh, icon up whatever you want, Katie, but we're going to be jumping into these verses. I have an icon of St. Simeon holding the baby Jesus, and 
We're going to just dive in, though, right at the beginning. In verse 22, it says, Now that the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were complete, they brought him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. So this is fascinating, because I think we like to think of Jesus as this kind of uh, anti-religious, cool guy who went around and he always criticized religious leaders and all the stuff, you know, you do the liturgy and the burdens of religion. Jesus came to abolish all of those. And that's just not true. I think most of us know that that's not true. But Jesus, I, I kind of playing on a different verse, but it says Jesus did not come into the world to destroy it, but to save it, right? Well, he didn't come into the world to destroy religion, but to save it. Because all religion outside of Jesus is a burden, is nonsense, is just mummery and oppressive. But the religion that Jesus came to fulfill looks a lot like the one that we get to practice today. He was a born observing Jew from day one. And they had beautiful imagery in their temple. They had uh, these rituals like our baptism. Uh, that would be like circumcision, right? The new baptism. Or baptism is the new version of circumcision. And there's this sense, uh, when you read the life of Jesus, you pay attention, there's all these liturgical moments throughout his life. And I think it really elevates our liturgical practice if we identify with what Jesus did for us. That we actually are participating in the religion that Jesus came to save. So let's not be flippant about the trappings of our religion, the liturgical elements, but let's treat them as they are. They're sacred and holy and they elevate our experience. There's a reason you want to get married in a church. Because it makes the marriage holy and sanctified. It sets it outside of the public square, outside of the everyday doldrum. I want to get married next to a beautiful tree. Well, that's great. You can. But do you know what makes things more holy than anything you can find in the world? The presence of God in His house. And so we come before Him to do our most holy things, births, marriages, Funerals. We come before him that they may be elevated. And when we see Jesus' life and he's going through these liturgical practices, he's elevating our experience and redefining them. Like I said at the beginning, Jesus came to be truly human that we might become truly human. And when we participate in these things, we are hopefully imitating and becoming more like him at every stage. It reminds them in this verse here, right? They came that they might present him to the Lord, and every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. That's kind of a funny line there. Every male who opens the womb shall become holy to the Lord. So the firstborn male has got a special status in the Old Testament. Sometimes we can think of that as prosaic or outdated, right? It's like, oh, by birth, he was born first, so he's special. I mean, I am special. But the point is, right, we can kind of think of that as kind of this tribal, like, pagan idea, like, oh, there's some special thing about the firstborn. God was teaching them a principle that the opening of the womb was a blessing from the Lord. He was trying to remind them that children come directly by his blessing. That there is no way that you can earn a child. You can only be given one. Right? By the blessing of God. And for those who can't have children, they know it better than anyone. They know that lack 
And yet in our, in our world, we're so flippant to say, oh, why would you have children? We get confronted daily and I all the time. You have three kids? How old are you? Why would you do that? Because hopefully we understand more and more every day that children are a blessing from the Lord. So when you dedicate your firstborn son to the Lord, as they were doing here, what you're saying is, the best thing you've given me, I turn over to you. I trust you, God. This blessing you've given me, I offer up to you. And it becomes holy because you offer it back to Him. Every part of our life, our jobs, our money, our children, our house, everything should be dedicated to the Lord in the same way. Because He's the one who gave it to you. So let Him make it holy. My dad had a particular moment with this verse that he's told me many times where he dedicated me to the Lord. He felt like God said, hey, don't you remember the male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord? And so he said, okay, Jesse's yours. Jesse's yours, God. And you know what? That moment where he felt there was a special calling to give me up to God, that helped him get through the years when it looked like I was destined for prison instead. Right? And yet now today I get to stand at this pulpit and preach, and I think that that moment is a part of my story. When my dad was willing to give me to the Lord, he prepared the way for me to go into the destiny God had given me. And I thank God for that. So when you see these throwaway lines that maybe seem like they don't matter, there's rich symbolism, and there's moments that you can enter into where God can make the scripture alive to you, like he did to my dad. So when you're listening to these stories, just Listen for the parts where the Holy Spirit highlights to you something that you can pull out and take a hold of for your life. Scripture is good and beneficial in every way. So let's move on in this story. They come in, they're dedicating Jesus to the Lord. And they came to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. Now... First of all, they dedicate the firstborn son to the Lord. Maybe we think that's a little bit outmoded, right? Your birthright your should have determined your status, etc. We just addressed. But now they're offering a sacrifice where they're literally giving up birds to be killed to glorify God? These people are crazy. Why would you do that? Well, I'm not going to go detailed into all of the things. I'll say first, God told them to, and so they were trying to follow His leading. But I want to just mention that the sacrifice of an animal or grain offerings, these things have to do with a deeply intrinsic principle that we are called to this day. Jesus did not come to abolish blood sacrifice, but to fulfill the blood sacrifice in himself on the cross. He came to fulfill that earlier principle. And now, every sacrifice that we make is participating in his ultimate sacrifice on the cross. That's why he told us, take up your cross and follow me. What he meant was lay your life down in service to one another and to God. He meant that we could enter into this sacrificial offering without having to kill any more animals, thank God. Could you imagine how Peter would be after us then? No, it's a whole different conversation. But the point is, we don't have to spill blood in order to sacrifice. Your time is an offering. That's a great sacrifice unto the Lord. Even as my dad did, dedicating his firstborn son to God, that's a sacrifice he made. He said, I will not make a claim on this boy, but give him up to you. And so we look here, it's really our sacrifice today, are an abstracted participation in the history of the people of God, where sacrifice has always been a part of how we love and worship Him. 
Now it's transformed in Jesus to be a participation in God's economy. His economy is give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, overflowing, in good measure. As you come into the new year, maybe that's the question you ask yourself. What sacrifices are you asking me to make, God? I will not give up double levels. No, I'm just kidding. You really have nothing in your life that you shouldn't be willing to give to the Lord. Because even should that thing perish and die, let's say metaphorically, God is a God of resurrection. What are we to fear? Jesus is our ultimate sacrifice, and he made it such that we could be living sacrifices. So let's continue as they come, and they're going through these rituals, these liturgical acts with Jesus. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now you need a little bit of context to understand how significant it is that this man believed that the consolation of Israel was coming. Did you know that before this there was 400 years of prophetic silence? That throughout all of Israel's history, they had these prophets raised up and these kings and these judges, all these people who would say, the word of the Lord is this, we're going this direction. And then nothing. For 400 years. And they were constantly being passed between world powers at the time. And now they're in Roman oppression. And they they went from being the people who thought, we're going to rule the world. You can see that when you look at David and Solomon and the kings after them. They had such pride in their national heritage and the promises God had given them. We're going to rule the world. To being oppressed for 400 years without a word from God. And yet, Simeon believed. And yet Simeon was just and devout unto the Lord. And yet so many of Israelites were just and devout at the time to the Lord. It really is a miracle. And this man was waiting, was waiting because he had a promise, a prophetic promise that he was holding on to. We have an inheritance of prophetic promises. Not just us, but our parents, our grandparents, the people in this church. There are prophetic promises all over this people of St. Michael's. And if you don't have any that you can recall, just open the scripture because they're filled with prophetic promises about what God will do to the people of his name. And so, we have an inheritance of prophetic promise, and yet we are very quick to come up with a theology to justify our disbelief. We're way more quick to come up with a philosophy or a theology to justify. Well, that person said that, but you know what? Then, you know, later on in their ministry they had the scandal, so it probably doesn't matter. You know, they were walking in sin, or maybe you have several other reasons, like, well, maybe God fulfilled that metaphorically some way. I think it would be hard for me to just to go through all the specific ways that you reject the promises of God, but one of the ones that I think we struggle with the most is we just don't even think about them anymore. We give up hope. We give up hope on what God has promised us. And the example of Simeon should encourage us that God's word never falls void. Don't give up hope. In fact, we're told in Timothy that we wage our warfare by the promises made to us. So if you feel like you're fighting a losing battle, pull out some promises of God. It could be as simple as you're fighting the battle of shame. In condemnation. You feel like God is mad at you. But 
But they can remember that every Sunday we're told God loves you. He is forgiving you. He is not mad at you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. That's just say that out loud when you're feeling that shit. Fight the battle by holding on to the promise. You don't have to live in shame. Not a single person here. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. That's the promise that we can hold on to. Or else it could be as big as believing God for revival in Southern California. That seems impossible. Not from God's perspective. So we need to open our minds and hearts to the promises that God's given us. It wouldn't be a bad idea to look at those things that we're going into the new year. To ask God, what have you promised me? Or if you haven't written down, read them. I know I'm going to go back and listen to the one that Ed Chow gave me in my life. I have a little recording of that. And to remind yourself of the things God's told you. And like I said, you're thinking, wow, I don't have any of that. Well, open the book of the Bible. Open the Bible. There's promises all over the place for the people of God, especially in the New Testament. Romans chapter 8 is a great place to start. Look for the promises of God and fight your battles with His promises. So what was Simeon's promise? In verse 26, It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Can you imagine? I mean, 400 years, God doesn't give any big revelation to his people. And Simeon's walking around, I am going to see Jesus. That's pretty awesome. Other people might have thought he was crazy, off his rocker. There's some traditions that think that he was part of this group that translates the Bible into Greek, which would make him 200 years old. I don't necessarily think that's true. But just imagine, you've been walking around for 200 years saying, well, I'm not going to die until Jesus comes. That's pretty impressive. But regardless of where you put his age, because we're not told in the scripture, he could have been 80 or whatever, it's generally accepted he was an old man. He lived his whole life hanging on to the promise of God. The promise to him, in the context of the promise to the people of Israel for thousands of years. Man, I want that faith. He was just, he was devout. We get nervous when 30 comes. Oh no! I'm going to be 30! I haven't done everything that God told me I'm going to do! I haven't accomplished my vocational goals! I'm not the top of the heap! And then let's say you make it through 30, then 40 comes, and you're like, oh boy. I haven't done everything God told me I'm going to do! And we have this like rhythm in our brain that starts to put this pressure on us. It's real! Don't ignore it and pretend it's not real. There's a real reckoning you have to do with God. When that anxiety starts to build up, go to Him and say, God, man, I'm really scared about this. It's okay to have fear, it's just not okay to hold on to the fear. You've got to lift it up to God and offer and ask Him to recontextualize what's going on. And read stories like this and remember that God's Word does not fall void, but He accomplishes that for which He sent it. And then maybe 50 comes over, and then probably less over anyway. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> The same temptation happens all the time. And maybe it's not a decade that's bothering you. Maybe it's because somebody next to you got a house when you were promised a house before. Well, God, where's my house? Comparison, comparison, this pressure of decades. Uh, maybe you have kids and you're thinking, man, once I've got three kids, I mean, I don't have any more space for more kids. Let's have more kids, though. Because God's got a blessing, but what's he going to do? How's he going to provide for us? 
These are the questions that happen in our lives. There's always moments, there's opportunities where you can take that fear and you can say, God, help me to understand what's going on here. And maybe he doesn't talk to you for 400 years. It's been done before. That's a little bit of a joke, because obviously God has been active in each of our lives. But there is a sense where we can hold on even when we don't understand it. He doesn't explain it. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. So hold on to the promises of God like our, our boy, Simeon, who went before us. And then we see the fulfillment, and this is the glorious moment, where this man who's been just and devout and serving God his whole life encounters the Messiah. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. Okay, I'll just say one thing here before we even start. He was listening. Otherwise he misses Jesus. You guys get that? He came by the Spirit. He was tuned in to what God was doing. You don't want to miss your promise because you just stopped listening. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. He recognized Jesus when he showed up. There's no greater proof of his just and devout nature than that he recognized the Messiah when he showed up. You know what? It means to be just. It means to be uh, living in alignment with what God desires. What sin does is it blinds us to the presence of God. It's such a tragedy because you see it happen again and again. The most classic story that I told before is that you see somebody who, you know, is falling into sin, and then they start coming to you and asking, well, does God even exist? And you know, well, you know, <laughs> you're not living according to his ways. It's going to be hard for you to understand. That's easy because I get to talk about somebody else, but think about the times when you know that you've neglected your walk with God. And all of a sudden, things get a lot foggier, a lot harder to discern. Doubts start to creep up, fears, anxieties. Maybe those are little symptoms, signs to turn you back to Him. Sin blinds us to God. And what does it mean? How do we avoid falling into that sin? Well, I think that the reason Simeon was able to maintain, to continue to be just in his walk with God, is that he was holding on to the promise. He had a vision. There was a reason for him to be just. When you give up on the promises of God in your life, it's all too easy to justify your sin. Hold on to the hope. Because hopeless people don't care whether they read their Bible or meet with God or are kind to one another. Hopeless people become sinful people. So if you're feeling like, man, I just have stuck in these patterns of sin, look for the hope that God's given you and promised you. It's not through condemnation that you're saved, but through hope and Jesus reaching out, which you're sinking into the waves and lifting you back up. Look for Him to do that. 
And then he was devout. And I'll just say, if there's one secret to all of Christianity, and hopefully you've been getting this this entire story, it's this. Never give up. If there's one secret to Christianity, it's never give up. Never give up on pursuing God and His ways. Seek first the kingdom of God. If you just hold on to that principle, then no matter where you go in your life, you will always have a guiding star to bring you back to His ways. It will always be correcting you. And guess what? Our lives probably look like this, if we're being honest. The straight and narrow path is the one that you hit every once in a while when you're doing your turnbacks. But there's a thing where we have this guiding star that is just like the one that's shown over Bethlehem on his birth. And it's the one that calls us forward to go towards Jesus. And then as you do that and you never give up, then the perfect end of your life will be something like praying this prayer. Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Thank God that Simeon got to pray that prayer, and God helped me get to that place before I died. And then you can remember or imagine God's response as Simeon drifts up into heaven or maybe eventually us where he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. What a beautiful end to a life. Everything else that comes in between us and that end, those are distractions. Now, Simeon was called to be faithful to his temple duties that he might see Jesus and bless him. But you might be called to be a faithful nurse or construction worker or business owner. Or you might be a faithful cashier at a grocery store. Whatever it is you're called to be faithful to, trust God, never give up, do it with hope and joy. And fight the battles. Fight the battles with the promises. How are you going to maintain hope and joy this year? It's by remembering the promises of God, the words that He's spoken to us in the Scripture, the stories that we get to see as we see Jesus grow from baby to cross to resurrection. I'm really excited for this. I think it's a year, as we've been talking about, of restoration, multiplication, hope, joy. These are all good things. Let it be so, God. Amen? I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God. Begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again, according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven 
and is seated on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. And I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Brothers and sisters, since we are no longer slaves, but sons and daughters and heirs of God through Christ, let us bring our requests and those of the whole world before him. That the church will walk in the fear of the Lord, Lord in your mercy. That the patriarch, all bishops, priests, and deacons will live lives holy and pleasing to the Lord, that his name will be glorified even among non-believers. Lord, in your mercy, that God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth from all nations. Lord, in your mercy, that nations will defend the poor and the needy and oppose their oppressors. Lord, in your mercy, that our homes will be a refuge for our children and a Christ-like environment for visitors. Lord, in your mercy, that parents, through the example of Mary and Joseph, will seek the Lord's will for their children. Lord, in your mercy. That those who are near death in their families will be ever mindful of the blessed assurances that are in Christ Jesus. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, you have called us your children and have poured your love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Hear our prayer and give us the grace to return that love through our obedience to your word. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Turn and greet your neighbors with the peace of the Lord. Merry Christmas, day two. Hope you're all enjoying it. Continue in a festive mood. Uh, Bishop Kessler is doing his festive travels. I think he's in Tucson to see his family there, see family in Tucson. So pray for him and Karen as they travel. Uh, also, let's see, anything going on this week? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Yeah, of course, New Year's Day, next Saturday. I, uh, I'll be doing the service at 10 o'clock. Everybody wants to wake up early on uh, New Year's Day. I'll be here. There is a wedding that day. That's happening. Um, what else? All that's coming up. New Year's. It is great and a good new year. I hope you are all enjoying your holiday season. Through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Together, <laughs> it's backwards in my book, sorry guys. Uh, why don't we uh, just go ahead and say the through Christ part. 
Through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge His name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
blood of Christ. This is the table of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love him and those who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little, you who have been here often and you who have not been here long, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come, because it is the Lord who invites you. It is his will that those who want him should meet him here. Come to the table. The Lord be with you. With your spirit. Lift up your hearts. Lift them up to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord our God. It is God. Father, all powerful and ever living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks for Jesus Christ our Lord. For through him, the holy exchange that restores our life has shown forth today in splendor when our frailty is assumed by your word. Not only does human mortality receive unending honor, but by this wondrous union, we too are made eternal. And so in company with the choirs of angels, we praise you and with joy we proclaim. fountain of all holiness. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts and make them holy, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he was given up to death, the death he freely accepted, he took bread. He gave you thanks, he broke it, and gave it to his disciples and said, Take eat, this is my body which is given from you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup. Again, he gave you thanks and praise. Gave the cup to his disciples and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. 
May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch Craig, our Bishop Douglas, and all the clergy. Remember those for whom we now pray. Connie, Susan, Carl, Serena, Naomi, Sonia, Sandra, Karen, Tammy, Maria, Denisa, Mike, the McManus family, Matthew, the Lilly family, the Marines and Sailors of Camp Pendleton, and all those who serve in our armed forces. You can add the names of the people you're praying for. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and broken. As we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ in the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles, martyrs, and all the saints. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him, with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Jesus taught us to call God our Father, and so we have the courage to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Hallelujah. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us thy peace. The gifts of God for the people of God, take them in remembrance that Jesus died for you and feed on him in your hearts with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who are called to his son.
God, Heavenly King, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you have fed us with spiritual food and the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace, and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart, through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who roam throughout the world, seeking to ruin souls. I hope you have a Merry Christmas every day of this Merry Christmas season. And I also... Say, may the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, keep your hearts and minds with the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be with you and those you love now and forever. Amen. Rejoicing in the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> 